0: Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios of Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And today I'm speaking with Zach, Zach Ellis, who grew up here on the campus. His dad is the executive director of Silver Birch Ranch. And so you grew up here as a kid and, and got to play on everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you end up going through uh, Nicolay Bible Institute? I did. Yeah, you did. So you went there for a year. And, and where are you today? I mean, tell us a little bit about your journey. You grew up In a family, a ministry family, Mm -hmm. you're always ministering, and and your dad just loves the people that come up here. You've had a good example in that. Um, Tell me about where you're at
1: now and kind of just a, a brief
0: thumbnail of how you got there.
1: Yeah, so gosh, uh, I live out in the East Coast now in uh, in New England in New Hampshire specifically. How I got out there, uh, if we rewind 5 years, I moved out there and the uh, the tail end of a really difficult season in life and had family that was there that welcomed me in. I thought it was just going to be for a 2-week trip going out there while they were having a new baby. 2 weeks turned into a month, a month turned into multiple months and now years later I still live out there. Um, but really the magnetism of keeping me in that place was uh was getting involved with a church um pretty much right away I had a short list of about three places to go and visit and the first one on the list I went to and for the hour uh after the the message was done and everybody was gathered in the atrium talking I couldn't get out of there I pinballed off of everybody there as they were saying hi and asking about my life and where I was coming from and Treated me like family. I was a stranger there, Great. and uh, and then I never checked out the other two places, and so all that to say that that church and that community really grounded me um, to that particular place, and I've been there more or less ever since.
0: Okay, and and now you're in school, and you you do video work.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I just started a master's program at Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary in the North Shore of Boston. So it's about an hour-ish away from where I live. Sure. And then I do video work, uh, video and photography work um, right, right now and primarily um, supporting ministries. So just uh, in the midst of a project right now with another Christian camp um, that does awesome work. They've grown from one location to three. And with really no specific planning of my own, God provided opportunity to do some work with them um, for their ministry to, to grow, uh, just using the storytelling capacity of video to get the message out more.
0: Okay. Now, you're a guy that can be very passionate about things. Mm. What are you passionate about most right now? Boy. I know that's, that's if you had to narrow it down and say, okay, uh, you, even if it's a
1: couple things, what what is it you're passionate about right now? Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, what I feel most uh, deeply um, and what feels often like the most, uh, the most, uh, kind of intense pain points um, from even my own story were very significant seasons of isolation, loneliness, and what felt like purposelessness. Uh, and now having really felt an enormous amount of healing, growth, and redemption in those areas, certainly by, um, by no accident at all, I'm feeling most, um, most engaged and passionate about uh, about engaging with people in a way that builds community and connection, which I haven't found any other way of doing that except for centered around God and the bigger story that he right. has us inside of. So that's a really broad answer, um, but it, it is that. Um, and in particular right now, I find myself working in the area of sexual brokenness and sexual addiction, okay. uh, particular to uh, pornography addiction, uh, extramarital affairs, brokenness in the family, um, and so that's kind of the particular. That's the open door into people's lives where we get to talk about everything else. Right.
0: So now you, your life, you God had God's had you on a journey. Mm-hmm. You grew up. You grew up. You did Sunday school stuff. You understood all that. You you made decisions. You you got to the point where life was meaningless for mm-hmm. you for a while.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, in a general way, mm-hmm. how how did you get out of the meaninglessness mm-hmm. stage? I mean, mm-hmm. you were. There are people that are listening right now that are saying, you know what? I just feel worthless. I, I feel like I'm unimportant. Mm-hmm. I'm unloved. And we are isolated as a culture, especially since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, recently I, I have seen so much isolation that it's amazing to me that people can survive it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took a trip out to Arizona. and Now, I'm not dissing all you Arizona people. <laughs> However, the, the one thing that really got me while I was in Arizona was the fact that they had walls around all their homes. Mm. and I felt like I was always isolated. If I was in a home, I felt like, wow. Mm. And I'm not 100% sure if that's just cultural, whatever else is out there. I know they're pretty nice weather out there, so they're probably outside all the time and need the walls for something. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Being from northern Wisconsin, we don't have walls around our property. Mm. We have trees around that we could get into and hunt and do that kind of thing. but. Um it's really interesting when you look at it and you, you talk about isolation your 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 feelings as a young man uh y- you were drawn to find answers because you were so empty mm. mm-hmm. the The people that are listening today when you get to the point where you're feeling really empty there there's one of two paths you take mm. you have to ask yourself why you feel empty like that mm-hmm. and search people who have who actually can help you answer the why mm-hmm. and, and of course I think you end up in God's word and you look and you, somebody's gone through it like yourself mm-hmm. um, or you give up mm-hmm. and that's not the right option mm-hmm. uh, you know so I think as you look at that what's the name of the organization you're working with it's called the Nathan project And and is that nationwide? Is that just on the East coast?
1: Kind of a a little bit of both. So we're primarily focused in new England. We work with all of the new England States, um, and a couple of others, uh, and facilitate groups in person groups throughout that whole area. I think right now we're at around 40 ish, maybe 45 groups. Um, and each one of those will have between say six to 15 guys. So we're talking, you know, a decent number of men. And then we have online groups as well that uh, are trying to, to, uh, to address the need that's there all over the place, however we can. Um, And we work in tandem with a couple of other ministries as well, one called Pure Desire that's based out of the West Coast that's generated some incredible materials that we implement and utilize within our groups. Um, And that, that organization, Pure Desire, has put a huge push into facilitating online groups as well, just to be able to address as much of the need as possible. Okay, now do you work with local churches on that? we do yeah yeah so that's so it's not just
0: all online so the the no. problem you know when you're talking i'm thinking okay the problem is these guys are isolated they're already isolated right. now you're working with them online they still don't talk to anybody yeah mm-hmm. so you, you you work at trying to get them somebody who's listening right now who's trying to find all the answers online is that mm-hmm. even possible
1: no, definitely not, right? And so yeah, exactly to your point, within the Nathan Project, our primary focus is working with men one-on-one. It was almost kind of like the begrudging move into some of the online out of what felt like necessity during the pandemic, and some of that has continued on. But our primary focus is in person. Um, I, I've been thinking about that even within the church context as, as as that kind of that model of online has grown, and yet I have to wonder, can we really scale – uh, our own human needs, such to the point where we don't have to be in person with each other. Uh, I don't think that really, I don't think it works that way. I think there's something very unique about even the incarnation of Christ in the spirit becoming flesh and dwelling among us, and that we're called to dwell amongst each other uh, in that same way. And, and I, don't, I don't know if you can really expand beyond that without at least experiencing some deficits. Yeah. So,
0: so you've understood the importance of community. hmm and, and my idea actually through life here, it's one of the things I've understood is I think community is developed through service together. Mm. You do things together. Mm. And not just service, but you do things together besides serving. The people you've grown up here at Silver Birch Ranch, Clay Bible Institute, the people that you grew up here with,
1: mm-hmm.
0: are they still your friends? Mm-hmm. They're still your community?
1: Mm. Uh well, yes and no. There's the long-term relationship, right, that we can still lean on and reference all sorts of memories, but also uh, not because we don't live in the same place anymore. Right. But if you went back and talked to one of them right now, mm-hmm.
0: you would start right where you left off probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's community right there. I mean, that's that's that. Now, if you went and found a guy at a bus stop, you're not going to start there. Yeah. You no. know, so it's like, no, mm-hmm. this guy. And and what made you that way was you served together. Mm-hmm. You did you know, stupid things together, you did great <laughs> things together, I mean, you did things together. Mm-hmm. And, and those memories, see, we were made to do stuff together. We were made to serve together. Mm-hmm. And and even when Jesus came down to this earth, he came to serve. Mm-hmm. And he came to serve with those apostles. Mm-hmm. And those apostles changed the world. Mm-hmm. And, and they served together. They had this community, mm-hmm. this purpose. Mm-hmm. There's no possible way to make that online. Mm-hmm. There's no possible way to even make it, to, um, and again, I, I, this is something you may agree or disagree with, but to me, there's no way to make that community just at a coffee shop.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I mean, you can start dialogues there, and you can talk, but people go home, and they live their isolated lives. To, to actually work with somebody, to actually be with them, to notice what's actually going on in their life, is different than just to meet with them and talk to them on an isolated appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the games we could play mm-hmm. with each other mm-hmm. or, or agreements we've made with people, our life is a mess, so I'll meet with this guy, so you're meeting with the guy, but life isn't changing. Why isn't it changing? You know, I, I think at sometimes, in my experience through life, I think that we've got to where we can try and help people through seminars, and we can try and help them through coffee shops but the best way is to live with them, mm-hmm. to do stuff side by side with them, and to figure out while they're doing that, you can know what's going on in their life so that you can actually talk to them about it. And it, it, and they can't put a front on. I mean, if if you work with somebody as a volunteer here, let's say, we'll just use camp for an example, Silver Birch Ranch, and you work in the summer, you begin to know a lot about this person.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know a
0: lot about their habits. Well, you're sleeping in the same room. Mm-hmm you're you're working you're you're noticing habits you're being a part of their life
1: mm-hmm.
0: now all of a sudden you're in a position to actually challenge one another in a real way that's not i'm just trying to figure this out no i'm i, I actually see this in your life mm-hmm. i I'm wondering how much of that is actually developed in and I'm not in modern counseling and how they're teaching it and whatever else how much of 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 modern co- counseling and is in the idea of Let's get groups to develop community through serving together and being together so that we can actually see what's going on in these lives rather than just sit and have them display it the way they want to. Right, right.
1: Yeah, I guess, I mean, even thinking about the groups that we facilitate through the Nathan Project, the phrase that continually comes up is we are practicing honesty in community. Okay. So within those groups, it really, you get to see it unfold week after week. It is this practice of being within a group of men, really discussing and exploring every aspect of your life. I mean, if you start with sexuality, you've gone pretty deep right off the right, bat, right? right? So it is this this open door into the most vulnerable the most transparent pieces of ourselves that you don't just share with anybody. Certainly not with the guy at the bus stop. Right. It's with somebody that you can trust. Well, now we're asking questions. Well, how do I know that I can trust you? Well, we must have some common ground between us. And if it's just the issue and the problems of sexuality, well, I'm not really going to go there because then we're just reveling in our mess without any hope of anything changing at all. So immediately you're being you're being you're being invited into uh, a trusting relationship with another person that's not simply based on. On you or that other person alone. There has to be an outside source that's infusing that with a reason to trust that we're on the same story and we have reason to be in partnership with each other. And I don't see any other way of doing that except for God and the bigger picture story that he has for us. So it's this amazing thing of, of sexual brokenness, which we see brokenness in every area of your life. This is just one particular fla- flavor of it and maybe one that does hit at a particularly sensitive piece of our well, what we, can mis- what we can misappropriate as our identity, our sexuality right. is not right. that, but yet it feels almost integrated with it. And so it's like you get this ripe opportunity for being as real and vulnerable with each other as everybody wants, but few of us are willing to go to. So it's like the right. pain of that forces it. And then you end up in a place where it's for me personally being involved with these groups, not just facilitating, but being a member of it. I have been so uniquely blessed by the depth of real relationship that that starts within that group and then transcends into every other area of our life outside of it. It's right. like that's the starting blocks. And then we get to do the rest of the week together in a way different way than I've ever done really with anybody in my life.
0: Now, do you get to work with the churches on that? I mean, mm-hmm. so you come in from the outside. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's say you're you're meeting with me. So sure. so I come to you and I meet with you and mm-hmm. so I start to to develop a relationship with you and I start to trust you and talk. Mm-hmm. How do, how do you get me back in, into my church?
1: Yeah. Um gosh, so so it would get you back into your church meeting like is Well,
0: in other words, I think the church when I talked about developing community through service, I think that's the church that does that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean again, simple Silver Birch Ranch when a senior pastor comes up to do dishes with the high school kids, mm-hmm. okay, that's community. Mm-hmm. They're up here; they're all doing dishes. They meet together. They sleep together. I mean, mm-hmm. that's they're doing something, serving together, that brings community. Yeah. You've experienced a lot of that here, from from uh, guys like Rich, Steve, your dad, all these guys serve together. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they're part of a community together. Yeah, whether whether they like it or not they have this common bond. When I, I was talking about going to Arizona, the guys that I visited there started the year-round work with us here. We still have community together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I go there, boom, we pick up from where we stopped, uh, you know, stopped last time and they're still in ministry. So they're still serving, I'm still serving. We're still doing things using our degrees and using our passions and using, and then we sit there and challenge each other about what they're doing mm-hmm. on a community basis because even though they're in Arizona, they're still part of, what we're doing mm-hmm. in, in this world. yeah. So my, I guess the question really is, is I'm meeting with you. How do I get, you know, now you're my buddy. Mm-hmm. I trust you. Sure. How do I translate that over to where I'm going to, you can't meet with 400 people right. uh, on a, on a s- service basis and do things. You're not going to be able to do that. The church should be doing that. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and maybe there isn't something that really slides over easily. And maybe I, that's, that's the question. We leave it and say, well, that's got to get worked on better yet. You right. know, but uh, regardless, I'm I'm just looking at it thinking, boy, you know, God uses <laughs> as a speaker. There's a lot of times where I say something that God would use, mm-hmm. but I don't serve with those people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's why I want the pastor here, the church here, and I'll encourage them to go talk with them about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I want to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. That's a dead that end to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I want you to talk to your pastor. I want you to talk to your friend that you came with about it mm. because that's the community you actually need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and even though God used the words that I used, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to take the place of your church, believe me, mm. because you need those people around you to yeah. do what they should do.
1: Gosh, a bunch of things I'll try to like. So I think one of the big, the main pieces we see um, And when I say we, even in myself, when I think back over my own history of addiction, both in pornography and in substance abuse, one of the initial phases is realizing, well, that the pain of fallout from those behaviors drives you to an area of need. And that need at first feels like, well, I need to make all of these changes for myself. I want to feel better. And then you realize, well, wait a second, I can only do so much of that, like pouring back into myself before this is just a never ending internal loop and it doesn't work. So, well, that means I guess I have to have that directed outwards. Well, now I'm thinking about what gifts, talents, abilities have I been given that the world also actually needs so that it can become this cycle of I'm receiving into myself awareness that I know what God has given me and seeing the need outside of myself and be, be entering into that pattern that's actually nourishing and rejuvenating. And it's an upward cycle towards good rather than a consistent drain. Right. So when we look at working with guys, it is this very much a relationship between the groups that we facilitate in relationship to the church where, and I'm, I'm consistently amazed at how... The worldview of, of the men that we work with, how little it is that they have received in instruction from their families, from their churches, so that right at the worldview that they're operating out of, it really has... it. It's limited in scope. Very so much, yeah. we're starting even just as a baseline conversation of, okay, well, first, how do we get you out of a cycle of shame that has you in bondage such that you don't even have the margin to be able to see beyond the immediate? So that's like initial, right? That's emergency mode. Then you get into, well, now I'm being given, literally, I'm removing something that's, that's consumed so much of my life. And in that same moment, I'm creating a space. And that space is going to be filled with something else. So that that is like this really kind of tender season of, well, you're being given capacity for something new, but you don't quite know what that is yet. And the church really comes in and around that in, in tandem with the groups that we facilitate to say, well, what does God say about who we are, about the gifts that we've been given? Who are we as a body? So that as you're slowly waking up to and realizing, well, I really do have specific passions, pain points that I see in the world and ways that I would like to attend to that. How are we going to go about doing that? So it becomes right away, it's like this, well, you're now, you have something removed. You have a space created and capacity with it. And the church comes in right alongside of that to say, here's the needs that we see in the world and the ways that you can come in and alongside of others to attend to that. And in that process, receive the joy and the purpose that you've been desiring all along that you were attempting to fill with this addictive behavior. Right.
0: Now, do do you actually go into churches and help them see that? Mm-hmm. okay so mm-hmm. because it's not just i'm i'm training you and and i'm, I'm telling you to go back to your church mm-hmm. you actually are helping them it's kind of like it it's silver birch and we really believe that we we have the church involved mm-hmm. that's the ideal mm-hmm. why because let's say a young person comes they realize they need jesus they put their trust in jesus mm-hmm. well we want them to do that with A leader or or a youth pastor from their church, so they go back and they can follow up and they can you know disciple them and work with them. Mm. Uh, Other than that, I think camps have a huge deficit Mm. because you're you're talking with people Mm. who basically are talking to a college person that is trying to do well, but they'll never see him again after the summer. Mm. They make decisions, they go home. There's nobody there. Right. And, and that could be a disaster in, mm-hmm. in many respects. Yeah. So w- what we've done is design a program very specifically to work with the local church rather than just come up here on your own. Mm-hmm. Now, we won't tell people they can't come up on their own, but there's limited spaces for that Right. compared to the spaces that we have that you come up as a group, you bring your own counselors, you, 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 and then we design the whole program around while you're here, you horseback ride, you do all that kind of stuff. Why? Because it's the activity again. It's doing things together. Mm-hmm. It's laughing together. It's watching each other make mistakes or learning whatever it might be that that starts to draw you together. Mm-hmm. Now, when we're talking seriously in the chapel, mm-hmm. you know they respond, mm-hmm. and and it's very amazing to me. You know, it, it through the years we've asked kids, "What's your favorite, you know, place at camp?" Mm-hmm. Often the chapel is mentioned as the favorite place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and go, really? <laughs> a generation with all the hoopla and all the different things, and why? Mm. Because there were adults. I think it, it's a bigger issue than just oh, somebody was there and they were a good speaker. Yeah, you know, big deal. Mm. Guy can use donkeys, and I think he could use donkeys better than any human. And if mm. they were speaking, people would pay attention. <laughs> so that's not a big. De- I mean, that to me isn't the, the answer. Mm. But the answer is they played all day. They were with people all day who gave up their time to be with them. Mm. And basically, said to these kids, "You're important to me, mm-hmm. and you're so important to me. I'm going to take a week of vacation. I'm going to come up and I'm going to stay with you, mm. and we're going to do things. We're going to learn to horseback ride, and zip line, and archery, and all this kind of stuff. We're going to do it together, and and I'm going to be a part of your life. And then when when you hear the gospel, the good news, I'm going to be the one that helps you understand it. Mm. And and then when you go back to the city, wherever you came from, or wherever." they can integrate you right back into what they're doing and and get, and so the community you're talking about at least has started, Mm -hmm. you know, in that sense. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's why I I was wondering about, it's the Nathan Project? The Nathan Project, yeah. Uh, You know, if they actually are active as well in the church, because Mm -hmm. a lot of times for us, we try and explain this to the church, that this is important, don't just send your kids here. Mm -hmm. You know, come with it. It's like, well, you know, we want the senior pastor however you arrange that mm-hmm. to really make this a
1: focus yeah not not just send the kids to camp mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah, I mean, what I hear the theme in what you're describing, whether it's within camp, within relationship, within families, within the work that we do at the Nathan Project, all of it comes down to facility, facilitating relationship. Right. So you model that off of what God has modeled for us, what he's shown us, but then you see how the world shows up, how Satan shows up to constantly and consistently attempt to disrupt right relationship with God and then with each other. So when we're working with, again, this open door of, of sexuality. It really is. It's an opportunity to be exploring the ways that we have deviated from healthy relationship and, and reached for a substitute. And then when that doesn't work anymore, it's like, well, what do I come back to? what what is my alternative because if this doesn't work i'm at a crossroads i'm going to reach for a different version of substitute or i'm going to i'm going to be willing to humble myself and hopefully have opportunity to come alongside of another person who has decided to to live in tandem with god's truth in the day to day knowing that i'm not responsible for the outcomes but i am able to to show up in the, in, in, in what I've been given right now and allow him to direct what happens with that. So without getting too general, I think that's, what's so amazing. And, and, and Dave, you're always consistently good at bringing things back down to the simple is if we're built for relationship and then we can also expect and know that we have an enemy who's actively trying to disrupt that, then really it is as simple as, Well, how do we come back into living alongside of one another uh, in honesty, in transparency, um, and not just in perpetual conversation, but in doing things together?
0: Right. Uh, Yeah. And you know, I think it's interesting, too, that as you go through the Bible, you realize that God created us to be a certain way. So he created us to actually be servants Mm. of one another Mm. and him. And if he actually created us to do that, that's where we'll find fulfillment. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, When my wife recently had cancer and one of the just spontaneous prayers, we were just praying together and one of the spontaneous prayers was from her, and I don't remember the words exactly, was, God, please allow me to continue to serve. Mm -hmm. And that just touched me. It wasn't heal the cancer. It wasn't wasn't, give me money. It was I want to serve. She's Mm -hmm. learned how to serve. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of hoopla, not a lot, just go up and serve. Mm-hmm. And I've watched her, and, and she so enjoys just being behind the scenes, organizing things, putting it together, serving. and, and it's, Why? Because that's how God made us. Mm-hmm. He made us to not constantly be looking out for what is best for me, but for looking out what's best for those around me. Mm-hmm. And, and then he tells us we love God and we love one another. Well, a lot of people use that in a general sense. So loving God means what? The Bible makes that clear. Loving God means obeying God. Mm -hmm. why because he's always right he always has your best interest i mean very simple Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean obeying dave yeah because i'm a self-centered person like anybody else and i'll try and manipulate it so that you do what i want you to do and and so that's that don't always obey me Mm -hmm. but you always obey god that's how you show love and and as far as people Mm -hmm. you serve
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You, you serve with without expecting anything you can serve the orphans you serve the widows you serve you serve with expecting nothing in return you serve because you care about them and you're showing god's love to those people yeah but then you do that together that builds community and before you know it you've got you're watching how somebody lives and Mm. and when someone can't serve you're concerned as to why they can't serve anymore so you're you're involving yourself in their life more Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. i really i really think that sometimes and this is we can continue to discuss this later but Sometimes we, we've we hired enough Christian personnel to think that we don't have to do that anymore. Right.
1: You outsource it to somebody yeah, else. So we
0: don't, whether it be school, my kid needs to learn everything from the teachers and I'm not going to be involved, or whether it be church or whether it be, you know, no, I, I get the privilege of serving. Mm. You know, it's really weird. I love young kids and I love teaching them. And every year the students would come to me, and even this last weekend there were you know, six-year-old boys that would come over and just stand until I said hi to them, (laughs) you know, and and little kids that would run up and grab my leg and give me a big hug, and Mm. and they're going, you know, you scare us to death, but they like you. (laughs) You know, it's like, I know, you know, because what they hear from me is God really loves you. He's got a plan. Mm. I want you to know it. You're very special to God, and and, and so when they hear that from an older guy, they're going, that resonates, Mm. and they're six years old.
1: Hmm.
0: you know so that's an important thing to understand um and we can talk more about that in our next segment hmm. again i'm with zach ellis we'll give you an address what where, where can they get a hold of you
1: nathanproject.net and uh there's going to be contact information there
0: okay you can get nathanproject.net and uh, get a hold of him and see what they're about i'm dave wager here with younger older at silver Birch ranch more later